0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. What was Sergio Marchionne's impact on the car industry? That's the topic of discussion for this week's Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm your host, Anthony Curry. Sergio Marchionne died on Wednesday after complications following shoulder surgery. In his 14 years running Fiat Chrysler, he brought not one, but two car makers back from the wrecker's yard and created more value for shareholders in the industry than any other, except perhaps Elon Musk. I'm joined by two of Breaking Views' uh, gearheads, Rob Cox and Lisa Yucca, to discuss Marchionne's legacy and what Fiat Chrysler does next. So, Rob, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, look, we've all covered Fiat Chrysler over the years in various different ways. You, though, knew uh, the company and Marchionne the longest. Um, what do you take as, as what? What, what to you stands out as his legacy?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I met Sergio first. You know, just after maybe a year after he had. Uh, Basically turned Fiat Auto around, which had right. been a real problem. You know, he, he was, he was probably one of I, I I can't think of a an executive in much less autos in industry that managed to take something that everyone thought was basically headed for the junkyard and turned it into not only a you know not make it to, to survive but to, to to make it thrive in such a way that, you know, when he came in, the company had a market cap of about five and a half billion euros. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the three companies that he that 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 were uh, broken out—Fiat, uh, Chrysler, uh, Ferrari—and then CNH Industrial—you've got something like sixty billion euros of market value. I mean, that's right. that's pretty, as you say. You know, Elon
0: Musk—that's like tech industry type returns, yeah. right? Um But so, he—he's he, unlike Musk, who hasn't got there yet. Whether he will, yeah. we, it was another matter, not for discussion now. But Musk. Musk's um, share of, or the share value of Tesla has gone up on the promise that something will happen. Whereas at least in, the, in, in yeah. Fiat Chrysler's case, it came from actions that generated uh, profit, reduced debt and grew the company. I so mean, it's get, kind of, yeah, uh,
1: I was going back and looking at this interview I did with him in 2006 in Torino at Lingotto, which is the, uh, you know, the old factory where the right. headquarters of Fiat is um, still to this day. Uh, and I and I sat down with him. It was around the, the Torino Olympics. But he um, he basically said at that time, you know, here's my focus. Here's what I'm going to do about Fiat. Here's what I'm going to do about volumes, getting volumes up. Yep. Very clearly, the only way to do that would be through some sort of consolidation, which he, um, you know, he got an opportunity to do when mm. Chrysler went into bankruptcy. He said, we're going to rethink the whole corporate structure and if you think about it. Then it was yeah, – Fiat was a conglomerate, right? He now – that's why he took Ferrari, separated it yeah. out from Maserati, even even Alfa Romeo where it had sort of been stuck in a division – put that public. It's now, you know, a thriving company it's on its worth own. worth
0: more than Fair Chrysler, <laughs> yeah. I think.
1: Uh, not quite, but, but up, yeah. up there. Um, and then he, um, CNH, which was the case New Holland, you know, agricultural business, stuff like that, yeah. uh, harvesters, things like that, took that out. So, you know, he said he was going to do all that. He, he early on was questioning the way Car companies. Um, and this, I think, will be in a way his gr- greatest legacy for the industry. Although yeah. you can talk to that. I mean, you've you've been seen him at every car show over the past few years. Yeah. Is this idea of companies investing huge amounts of capital for new models and launches and things that don't pan out? And he finds it. You know, he's questioned that early on. Um, and, and I look back in this 2006 interview he'd done. He was questioning that issue. Then yeah. he came out. I mean, you wrote. You know about three this, years the, ago. Yeah, the,
0: the confessions of a capital junkie plan uh, idea. Yeah. Said and He got on a big analyst call with investors and analysts and said, look, we all know this. And basically, he was, he was, he was basically preaching to the converted, but no one knew how it was Well, the investors
1: work. are the converted, not the CEOs at the other companies. No, well, exa- <laughs> well, the,
0: no, the CEOs know he's right, but none of them want to join in. Mm. Which, and basically, he's saying, we're all wasting money doing too much of the same thing that doesn't differentiate our cars from each other. Right. So uh, look, basically, we're just wasting, wasting capital. Our returns are terrible. That's why we as an industry have underperformed. But from what you're saying, um, yeah, you know, he was he was on this basically from the moment he took over. And he wasn't a car guy. No, he came from a completely SGS SGS, which yeah.
1: was a. I actually don't know it's like a Swiss uh logistics type right. company I think and and you know and, and the Agnelli family of course is a critical component to this whole question and and uh, and the column I wrote you know which is sort of like his obit is sort of the people who are missing the most will be the Agnellis I mean he Because of the returns he generated for them I mean yeah if go a- and back and the way he made yeah, the family
0: rethink what they're doing
1: Yeah absolutely I mean you go back to that you know and 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 Lisa you know all about this the Agnellis um you know are the sort of first industrial family or arist- they're almost aristocratic and um
2: you know, almost Italy's royals. So right, right. And,
1: and and they almost were, you know, lost it all. And if you look yeah. back, I mean, Fiat almost went through bankruptcy just before um, uh, Sergio took over. And then, you know, that five and a half billion euro company, they owned 30 percent of it. So their value was 1.6 billion, something like that. Yeah. Now, if you look at their see-through stakes through Exor, their investment company, they own like 17 billion dollars of, of, of assets as a result of all the work that, um, that they did. And, and this is not just, you know, you could say it's, it's just Sergio. Sergio is one of those, was one of those car, one of those executives. You guys know this, Lisa, you know, this Anthony. we see CEOs all the time. And often they want you to believe that everything that happens with their share price, everything that's good happens is them. It's only them. I mean, you know, with Sergio, it's very rare to see, as much evidence, I think that 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 one can look at mm-hmm. over the last four teams, where he really, really did make decisions. He really led this 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 restructuring and and the turnaround of this business and well, the was, creation of value. He, he had.
0: What 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 sometimes seems unusual to us, which it shouldn't, which he had a long-term strategy that he put into place by hook or by crook, uh, using uh, taking advantage of whatever came his way, like you know, Chrysler yeah. going bankrupt, and he stuck to it. But also, I think from the Agnelli's point of view, and Lisa, maybe you want to jump in on this as well, he actually a bit a bit like the Ford family uh, twelve years ago. Um, they had a, you know, the Agnelli's had a had a, a big stake, as Ford does at least yeah, from mm-hmm. a voting point of view, and both those families said. We need someone who knows what they're doing because we're not getting it done.
1: Right. And John Elkin, who is the, you know, the sort of – he's the fifth generation, you know, from the the founder um, of Fiat. And he was 28 years old, I think, on the board. His uncle had just passed away who was – uh, who was meant to be the chairman and sort of the the new, you know, yeah. the patriarch of the family. His, his, um, his un- other, no, sorry, not his uncle his great uncle, right? His Johnny Agnelli, who was, uh, his grandfather, um, had, uh, passed away not that long before. And the guy who was supposed to be Umberto Agnelli's like son, uh, Giovanni Alberto had died. So there was this whole chaos at 28. He made a really interesting, smart yeah. call, which was, I'm going to bring this guy in. We've mm-hmm. worked with him in investment in Switzerland. Um, he speaks Italian, even though he's Canadian, and has a funny accent yeah. or something. And we they brought him in; they gave him, uh, uh, you know, free reign, relatively speaking, um, given that they own, the, they could call the shots. And it really turned out well. And it's it's kind of an interesting lesson for family capitalism. Yeah, don't, absolutely. Don't you
0: think? So, Elisa, let's let's you bring in here. So, you know, as we're saying, basically, we've got family tragedy on either well, tragedy on either end of of uh, the Marchioni era here um and we look at it obviously very much from a, a business and cars perspective and we'll get back to that in a minute I'm sure but, but you're base, you, know, you are Italian and based in Italy uh, covering this so ha- how is this being being seen? How is this being dealt with? How are people reacting to to this 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 very shocking, sudden turn of events at the top of one of their most iconic yeah. companies? So,
2: so, so there is um, there is obviously a lot of talk and a lot of discussion about Marquione and his role, his legacy here. Initially, I mean, he was a well-known figure he was probably you know one of the few executives that pretty much every man in the street you know would be yeah. able to recognize and this is you know quite unique i would say that um um he you know he he his legacy um i mean has left italy divided if you want because what struck me most about him as i you know followed him around a bit as a as a reporter especially in the years of uh, his fabrica italia uh, plan was that he was really able to think out of the box and to challenge the traditional let's say modus operandi of um, of the country yeah. you know just he was willing to be bold innovative to try very creative solutions so what um, um has made him famous here, if you want, his, his uh, um, decision in 2010 to uh, keep production in Italy, but only um, in exchange for productivity gains uh, and wanted the workers to be behind him. So he bypassed the union, he challenged industrial lobby, uh, Confindustria He's actually, he, he walked, I mean, Fiat actually walked out of Confindustria and reached out directly to, to workers saying, this is my plan. I'm just, uh, you know, asking you to vote in a referendum if uh, you accept the, these new conditions, right. yep. you know, working conditions, in exchange for more money and in exchange for keeping production in a high-cost country like Italy. Yeah. Um So, uh, I mean, what I would add to that is that a lot of people saw him as someone who broke the the worker class you know the the, the working class the blue collars but in reality he only shot one plant and he he kept production here i mean jeep is made in, so is, in how the Silicato, is this all happening how, how is how is this the,
1: is this running up against the sort of new government's um ideas to roll back some of those labor reforms that uh, uh, you know many of them uh sergio Was supported or championed in some way? Is this, um, or is his death in a way giving, you know, is that is that is are people rethinking and you know his legacy in some way?
2: So the the sad thing, you know, apart from, of course, you know his his loss is that I fear that his legacy will be lost. For a start. even you know in in those years, if you want, of the, the the fight with the unions. I mean, we didn't see after that a real revolution of labor relationship in Italy. I mean, we saw some changes, we saw some labor reforms, but you know, we we didn't see a complete overhaul, um, like you may have seen in the Thatcher years. And uh, um, so so it was kind of almost isolated in his attempt uh, even though it was very important for the industrial landscape in the country so my concern is that as the new government really wants to go back to the 70s by the sound of it um you know there are many other visionary executives that uh, you know are gonna stand up against that or you know come forward with the sort of creative solutions that Marquiana had been able to engineer. What happens?
1: You, I mean, you wrote Anthony when, when, uh, when we first heard on, on Saturday that he was not well and had some irreversible had to be, condition. Had to be to see um, her, yeah. Right. I mean, you wrote the piece sort of suggesting that his successor now ha- may end up having. Selling the company or merging the company. I mean, what's? I mean, how does this? How does Sergio's departure, so abrupt as it as it has been, change that calculus for a GM or whoever might be a partner for them? I,
0: I think that the single biggest change change is it's not about the business mix. It's not about what needs doing, although that all plays into it. It's about the person at the top. So. The issue with Marchioni was he was he was exceptionally blunt and honest about what he thought the failings were of the industry as a whole, and he included himself in that. Much as he tried to to get around it, and you, you could see in his business plans, much as he said we need to do more consolidation, he of course had to come up with business plans. The latest one last month, which said this is what we're going to do on our own, and that includes, you know, to to to, to your point, Lisa reducing some of the uh, ways it was making uh, cars or changing the way it made cars in Italy to try and you know make sure that you could bring in more Jeeps somehow into Europe, that you could get costs out for these um, by, by taking the smaller cars to um, cheaper centres to be built. Um, but you know, I think he was just. It would be a very difficult person to deal with and emerge. If you, can, you know, think about when he was trying to persuade GM to, to uh, merge with him three years ago uh, to no avail, obviously. This was after the capital confession. junkie confession. Exactly. So you know, GM at the time was worth what, $60 dollars. Fiat Chrysler was worth, let's say, I think twenty billion at best, if not less than that. GM was obviously going to run that. It was got it's got far more cars, uh, far more advanced in in some areas. So certainly even then on um, electrification and autonomous vehicles, even way back then. But you'd had to count with Marchionne. And what would you do with him? And how could you negotiate with him? It made it very hard. Now, not to put Mike Manley down. I mean, he is, having run Jeep and also Ram, he is the man behind the two biggest profit engines, Jeep being the far the biggest yeah. at the company, and is responsible for the majority of the turnaround achieved under Marcioni. But he's not Marchionne. So as he looks forward and thinks, what do I do next? Okay, I... A deal is not necessarily in the offing. Obviously, I think we're probably way away from that. Um, and they have been planning this succession for a while. Um, Marquioni was due to step down early next year. Um, but yeah, I think the pure fact that Marchione is not the man running it anymore—we have someone who may well be hard nosed as well. He has to be to survive under Marquioni. But he's not Marchione no, no. I mean, Lisa, you—you've been looking at what's what. It has to happen next. Since we we first started thinking about this way back in December, you wrote a piece, and you listen. You're listening to the earnings. That must have been a very sad and bizarre earnings call um, early on Wednesday, um, and just after Marconi's death was announced. Um, what's your sense of, of what Manley can and should do?
2: Okay, so Manley's obviously got. Huge shoes to fill. I mean, it's a, it's a daunting task to replace Marchione. Um and I, I also feel, as I had written in that piece that you mentioned um, back in January, that uh, his first challenge may be to tackle Asia and, in particular, the Chinese market, which Marchione really, really focused on uh, for various reasons. I mean, Fiat Chrysler is. You know, almost insignificant mm. in China, even though China is the world's biggest car market with nearly 30 million vehicles sold every year. And and now, um, you know, it's even a more difficult situation with a trade war, um, you know, raging if you want, uh, um, globally. Yeah. So, Manly has Asia experience. I mean, he mentioned China a lot in the call today obviously he runs jeep jeep could be the the key if you want to unlock value uh, in in the middle kingdom so the chinese challenge could be the making of uh, manly as the new fca boss
0: yeah absolutely so i know you, you you'd mentioned this but just looking at, at, at jeep as a brand they quadrupled sales in the, uh over the past Nine years under Manley. Much of that, of course, in the U.S., they want to do more in Europe with it. But but China is the SUV market everyone wants to get into, right? I mean, people in China love the idea of buying SUVs, and Jeep is the it arguably started the SUV brand. And and what was that figure you had that, that it was from the from the um, from the night two thousand eighteen plan?
2: Sorry. So so they basically they um, you know as you know in the plan, I mean Fiat is Fiat Chrysler is proposing to have one in. 12, you know, for, for each 12 cars, one has to be a Jeep, you know, yeah, this is, this is yeah. which is the end of their business. Yeah, this is the, the, the,
0: the industry SUVs, and, you know, that, yes, that's absolutely right.
2: Yeah, but this, this kind of requires, you know, Fiat Chrysler to conquer, to make some inroads into the Chinese market, because, you know, how can you achieve that yeah. figure without really selling yeah. anything in China? I mean, if you look at Volkswagen, for instance, who was an early mover yeah. into the Chinese market, they sell 4 million vehicles, yeah. so they're way ahead of... Uh, um, you know, Fiat Chrysler. But Manly, as we said, knows Asia, knows China and knows yeah. Jeep. So he has least two cards to play. And, you know, uh, the market will demand he plays them well yeah. right now.
0: Well, of course, we will be um, following what happens next with Fiat Chrysler and the rest of the automotive industry. Uh, as for Mark uh, very sad, obviously, for you, Rob. You knew him best of us and is a good source for you. Um, and you know he we challenged him and he challenged us and and that's the kind of interaction we love. Well, we're well mess that's it. right.
1: In the in the in the story we published today, the a column I wrote, um, I referred to him as kind of challenging a piece that you and Lisa had written about who might possibly yeah. succeed him. And it was typical of him. He kind of came back. He's like, "Oh, come on, you guys you guys consider this, you know, smart thinking, considered thinking." And and he he was he was obviously doing it to yeah. to challenge and to spark. And and as you know, you know, I've uh, I've known him over the years. We've we've had him a number of dinners and things in the U S and in Italy. Um, and he is, uh, he was always, in fact, just last month, uh, in Italy, saw him at a dinner, he was there needling a politician, mm-hmm. um, and he sort of livening things up with his fellow executives uh, uh italian executives um it almost uh the life of the party in many respects and uh i think uh i'll certainly miss him but i think the whole business world yeah. here uh in detroit in london in uh shanghai and particularly in italy is really gonna um is is uh, has lost one of its its, its uh most interesting people
0: That's our show for this week. Thanks to Lisa Yucca and Rob Cox for coming on the show. We've got our hats as ever to our producers, Freddie Joyner, Andrew D'Antonio, Ben Kellerman and Brad Bell. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com, subscribe to the Viewsroom on iTunes, and please do share your opinions about our show. Join us again next week for another edition.